Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. Welcome to another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. I am Zane Nackvi with Levin Black. Stats couldn't be with us tonight, but got a lot of exciting stuff to get to you today. Uh, we got post-combine talk, we got draft talk, and we have former NFL defensive back Eric Crocker with us on the show today. Croc, what's up, man? I mean, we talk a lot. This is the first time that I've talked to you. Come on the show before, that was with Al, but this is the first time like we're actually talking on the air. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. You know, uh, like I told you guys before, you know, anytime I have a chance to talk some football, especially for a football, uh, I'm all for it. So, I, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on. There we go. And Levin, with the, the post-Super Bowl hangover now, uh, in full effect and us starving for some football. Like the combine was uh, just this past weekend as of the recording of this show. And there were a lot of guys that stood out. And, and I think that, you know, a lot of people kind of want to know the names just because people don't really follow a lot of college football uh, before uh, uh, the draft time. I think that college uh, football is, is uh, one of those things where it's, it's almost like a filler with the NFL on. I, mean, I don't want to do a disservice to, to college football, but like really people fall in love with guys at draft time and they really don't know the backstory. So tonight, we want to give people a little insight into into what these guys are, right? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a unique thing. Somebody might not necessarily be a huge star in college, but could become that in the NFL. That's the unique part of the draft and part of the reason why it's, it's so tough to nail down your draft picks and, and hit on all of them is because it's hard to know exactly how guys fit into your system and exactly how good they were rather than being propped up maybe by teammates if they were at a dominant school or, or something along those lines. Exactly. And Croc, I want to start off by talking about the 49ers needs and we can kind of frame our discussion based off of that and, and kind of talk about the, the prospects based off of that. Right now, I, I think that the biggest needs on the team, especially with Eric Armstead's extension, when it's seeming, seeming like it's imminent, the biggest needs on the team look like it's look like their wide receiver, uh, defensive back, either a corner or safety and offensive line, maybe maybe one of the guard spots um, or just a, a guy for depth. So uh, would you kind of agree with that? Oh, yeah, I, I think that's spot on, right? Um, their right guard position at times, you know, was a uh, person, and they, you know, they tried to do some patchwork, especially when he uh, missed a little bit of time. I think it was Brunskill that played a little mm-hmm. bit of right guard there, and uh, it, it just has been a position where they've been able to get by. By no means has it been as good as it could be, for sure. And, um, and then, you, you know, you touch on the receiver position. There's just so much question mark surrounding a lot of guys. You know, one guy you know that you're you're pretty for the most part right uh with Debo Samuel now outside of that you have a lot of contract uh stuff with Emmanuel Sanders you have injury stuff with um Jalen Hurd's and Trent Taylor's foot and what Pettis is going to be so there's just a lot of question marks there and the secondary um I, I think the biggest issue to me is next year you have a lot of aspiring uh uh contracts with uh Williams, uh Killer Witherspoon Richard Sherman uh, right now, you have to deal with Ward. So you know, there's just so many question marks. And and really, it's like, man, how are they going to go about it? And I, I think, obviously, the draft is a way where typically you would do that. But Fortnite Niners don't have a ton of draft picks. I'm pretty sure we'll get into that. Levin, do you think that the Niners will trade down? Just real quick on that. Do you think that they'll trade down and get more picks? I, I do think that they'll at least be wanting to. Now, if somebody falls to them that they truly love, I don't think Lynch would hesitate to pull the trigger on that. 
but I do think they prefer to trade down. It's just whether or not there's going to be somebody there who wants to jump back into the first round and, and get that. I mean, a lot of teams do it because they want to get that fifth-year option on a guy that they really want, and they don't want to wait till the second day where they lose the ability to get that fifth-year option, and they're not guaranteed to get the guy. Yeah, I think that the Niners are a prime trade-down candidate. Now, look, this isn't a year where they need a lot of help. Like In years past, they just needed bodies. They needed the the volume of picks and be, to be able to hit on like you know if they had 11 picks for example to be, be able to hit on like five of them was was a big thing but th- this is a championship caliber team and they were basically four minutes of bad football away from being a super bowl champion and and, and the defending super bowl champion going into next year so we have to remember that they're only a couple players away from basically getting back into and winning that game so i think that there'll be a trade down maybe like out of the first round and into the top of the second where you can probably get like a third round pick or a couple of mid round picks for that and, and be able to not have the gap that they have now. Like right now it's, it's end of the first round and then end of the fifth round. Right. So they do not have a second, third and fourth round pick based off of all the trades that they've done for, um, for T Ford, Emmanuel Sanders and, and, and those sorts of things. So I really think that free agency is going to have a, a big impact on how they draft obviously. And it's going to be a window into what they do. And if Emmanuel Sanders ends up resigning, then, then that kind of tells you that they'll probably lean towards DB in for, uh, with that first pick or with that traded down pick and, and Croc, I kind of want to start there with the, with the position that's familiar to you. Who are some of the, the, the DBs that you've seen here in the combine that kind of perform on that to you? Yeah. You know, especially like guys that would be like around that area. There's a kid out of Clemson named AJ Terrell. Now, I know a lot of people might know him more for kind of getting cooked in the, uh, was it the, there's a playoff game against LSU, and he definitely, or yeah, was it the sim- yeah, championship? Um, mm-hmm. He didn't have his best game there. But, you know, I went back and I watched a bunch of them, and I thought he was good. I thought he was a really good sound corner. I thought he had good position versatility, being able to play outside, be able to play inside, um, fluid movements. Um, I, I, I didn't see how he tested at the combine, but just watching how he, played and how he moved on film. That was somebody that I like. I know some people are really high on him. Uh, other people are a little bit more down on him just based on that championship game. But I, I really like him. So that's one guy. Uh, another guy is Bryce Hall, um, cornerback. I, I thought last year he would have been my CB1. Um, definitely not CB1 in this class, but I think he's a little slept on because he had an injury where he missed most of this season. So I, I think if he's able to fall, and I saw uh, Trevor, Trevor Sycamore uh, do a, a a mock draft, and he had the 49ers taking him in the third round with the they had a trade back. That would be a steal. Cause I I think he he's a tremendous uh, cornerback, very sound, really good, has a, a motor, um, gets involved in every part of the game, whereas the passing game, run game, uh, just just a tremendous cornerback and a really nice skill set, nice body that fits what 49ers like. So um, that's another guy. So yeah, those are two guys: Terrell and then uh, Bryce Hall. No. Clark, I, I did want to ask you a question that's not about any one particular player or even position necessarily, because there, there's a lot of talk every year. Some people really push back against how much people talk about the combine, thinking it's not much of a value because it's just workout heroes and things like that. So wanted to ask you, how much weight do you put into the combine workouts? And do you think there's positions where the combine is more important than others? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I'll answer all that. I, I think first and foremost, like, I wish I was on a staff because I think the part I would get is being able to interview the kids and really just see, like, how much, you know, like, that. that's the biggest thing. Like, how much do you love football? How willing, you know, are you to 
you know, work extremely hard and like this really be your means of income and how are you going to react when you get the money? I, I want to try to figure out like those things from the prospect. And then once they hit the field, um, unless they bomb it, pretty much I'm, I'm pretty good with a lot of what I see on the film. And there might be uh, something that kind of jumps out like right with uh, Ch- uh, Chase uh, Claypool where he runs 441 or whatever at 238 pounds. I'm like, man, did I, did I miss something? Because I didn't like this at all. And I was on Twitter before the draft, I mean, before the combine saying, I wouldn't even draft this kid. I didn't care for him. I um, compared him a little bit to uh, Lazard. I was drafted last year out of Iowa State. I was better. So um, I didn't really like what I saw. But when he runs down 40, he's like, oh, well, he's 38. He just needs to be playing a different position, right? Those are the things that maybe the combine uh, makes you think about. Uh, you know, a move tight end type guy, right? So um, I think, like, as far as just overall, something that I think is more vital to the cornerbacks in specific because I, I – you you got to be able to run. have to be able to run. With the receivers, like, well, you don't have to be the fastest because you can win in a bunch of different ways. But as a cornerback, especially the higher I'm going to take you, you got to be able to run. Now, it might be somebody like, hey, Richard Sherman, right? People will say, well, Richard Sherman ran a four, five, six. Yeah, that's why he got taken in the fifth round. And that's fine. And there's a spot for everybody, and everybody's going to get an opportunity. But for the cornerbacks, I want to see that three cone. I want to see that shuttle. And those are things that I don't put as much stock into when it comes to offensive players. But defensive players, definitely. I need you to be able to move. I need you to be a fluid mover. I need you to be able to run. And those, those are three things that I can't really pass up on, especially uh, when it comes to the cornerback position. I just had one other question about, you know, you, you being a former cornerback, you like to scout the cornerbacks, and you posted a lot on Twitter, which if you don't follow uh, Crocker on Twitter, you really should because you post a lot of – quality content there but i wanted you to for the people who don't know what it takes to kind of really study a player and going back and watching the film and and not just highlights like a lot of fans see take me through your process in doing that like how much film do you watch on a guy when you're really studying him what are the things you are looking for in that film in particular to the cornerback yeah so so typically the first thing i look at like and the thing that kind of jumps off right away to me is their movement skills. And based off their movement skills, I don't know how much I like a guy or don't like him. So I, that's the first thing that jumps out to me. Like, is he stiff? Is he, does he have, like, clunky feet? Um, does he, you know, move side to side well? Like, I, I'll notice those things right off the bat. And then I just go into consistency. Right? And, you know, how, how consistent is he with technique? How consistent is he with getting in phase? Uh, you know, I talk about it all the time. I don't watch highlights. I just watched, you know, the, the, either the YouTube cut-ups, and I've had some people that are able to get me in, uh, get uh, some uh, All-22 stuff with me. So I'm able to see, you know, what do they do consistently? Like, who, who are they um, as a cornerback? And there's some guys, you know, people, they'll post a clip of somebody with a splash play. I don't really care about the splash play. I want to see what you do on a play-to-play basis. And then I look at, do they make the plays that aren't there to be made? And a lot of that has to do with maybe in the run game, or if they're hustling across the field. And those are things like Bryce Hall. Jumped out to me that he did all of those things. But then maybe a guy like C.J. Henderson, who might be more athletically superior than a Bryce Hall, but he doesn't go out of his way to make a play that's not right there in front of him to get, if that makes sense. You know, he, he'll, he'll kind of stay blocked a little longer. He doesn't really rush to get off the block. You know, those kind of things just kind of 
um, let me know what type of mentality a guy has. So I'm able to kind of put all those things together fairly quick. I'll usually be able to tell in a few games, and it is, I, and I'm big on like you know I, I shouldn't people say well that was his worst game or go watch this game and I'm like man well, why do I have to watch a certain game to see somebody's skill set it should be it should show any time that I watch them I should be able to see exactly who they are so I usually watch about three games and that kind of lets me know who a player is how consistent they are at those things and then you know what their mentality is and. When it comes down to what the 49ers need and, and their positional needs, like, look, they've got Emmanuel Mosey there opposite Sherman. And, and as you mentioned, Sherman, Witherspoon, and Kwan Williams are all up um, basically at the end of this year in, in terms of their contracts. And, and for Sherman, it's kind of like, well, he's entering the twilight of his career. Do you see him possibly making a move to safety to kind of elongate his career? Is this guy just going to stay corner for the rest of his career and, 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 and maybe go elsewhere if he's not here? It's really tough because, I mean, if you had asked me that before last season, I would have been like, definitely. Then if you had asked me, like, after the Super Bowl, I'd be like, definitely. But throughout the year, I thought he played, you know, he played very well. Um, obviously, people don't challenge him as much. Uh, you know, the, the Chiefs decided to, and they were like six for six for however many yards and like a perfect <laughs> quarterback rating against him. Um, I, I and, and I think when people hear that, like, you know, Richard Sherman transitioning into safety, to me, I think the smoother transition for him would probably be more of like a box safety position, more like where Tart plays because he's an extremely good tackler. Um, he's physical there. He's smart. But I think if you have him, you know, matched up against tight ends and guys like that or, you know, play zone in the open open uh, area, he'll be able to kind of read the quarterback and under, read concepts and be able to, you know, undercut some passes and pick some, uh, force some turnovers that way. Uh, so I think more of a if, – if he is going to – which positions to a safety, I think more of the tart role would be really good for him. And I don't know, you know, how open he is to that. I know I've heard him say he's willing to play safety. I don't know about him as a deep third safety because he just really can't run anymore like that. So, um, uh, box safety, being able to read, you know, route concepts, things are in front of him, undercut pass, I think he'd excel. I, I, he'd excel there, in my opinion. Now, currently, Jimmy Ward is, uh, as we know, the, the uh, incumbent. Uh, deep safety, but he's a, as we know, a free agent and they basically have a choice. I, I tweeted this out earlier where they have a choice uh, between uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Jimmy Ward to bring one of them back. Now the Armstead most likely, hopefully will get resigned. Uh, I think that they're, they're probably more apt to let Jimmy Ward walk because Jimmy Ward, he, he had a solid season. He was a solid dependable player. And I think that, you know, I would like him back back at the right price, but when it comes down to it, like you need that play, you need that position to be able to be making, uh, be making plays in this defense, right? That Earl Thomas type decision, uh, play, uh, playmaking position. So are there guys in the draft that are capable of basically playing that deep, uh, single high safety that the Niners run? Yeah. You know, I haven't dug a lot into, um, I haven't dug, into these guys a lot, like the safeties. But I did watch Antoine Winfield because there's been a lot of buzz about him. And usually when there's a buzz about a player, I'll watch waiting to tear him down. Like, oh, no, he's not good here or there or whatever. And I was pleasantly surprised, man. He was pretty much as good, I think, as a lot of people have made him out to be. Um, he's not the biggest of guys. He's kind of built more like an Earl Thomas or like a Bob Sanders. But he made plays. He was a fluid mover. Um, definitely has the speed. Uh, you know, he's a good corner safety where they do some uh, match stuff there. I'm pretty sure he can play single high with his type of speed and range. Uh, he made plays in the box like that. That was a guy who I, I haven't been as high on the safety as 
Juan Thornhill in a while. Like Juan Thornhill, that's the guy. I'm like, gosh, I wish we could have had him. But yeah. uh, with, uh, uh, Wizzle, like he, he's good, man. I really, I really like this game. And the most I had seen from him before was I was watching Fresno State. You know, I'm a California guy, and I watch all these West Coast teams. And I'm just up, and Fresno State at this time, they were doing well. They started the season off good, and they're playing against Minnesota. I'm like, yeah, yeah, beat their ass. And they threw a ball into the end zone, and look who picked it off, man. It was Winfield. And um, it seems like he's been prone to make those type of plays. That was last year, but this year he continued to play making abilities. And you're, you're right, man. That's what the 49ers need. You, you have to be able to take the ball away. And that was one thing with Ward, as well as he played, and as versatile as, as he was. And I remember Kawan Williams got hurt against the Rams. Ward slid down in the in the slide and was locking guys up. He's a terrific player. I need some takeaways, man. And we didn't see that from him. So I don't know if that was just by coincidence, but he hasn't really done it much over his entire career with the 49ers. Now, let me ask you while we're talking about Winfield, because you mentioned his size, and that is the big knock on him. Some people say he's simply not big enough. In the single high system, specifically to the 49ers, how important is size, and do you think Winfield is big enough. Yeah, I mean, I don't... To, to me, I, I don't care about size at any position. It, it, but if you're smaller, I just require you to play bigger. So as long as he can play big and he's flying around and he's, you know, making tackles and, you know, guys just aren't bullying him, I'm fine with him being five nine and a half or whatever he is. Just make plays, man. Like, <laughs> I think size, man, it gets, over, it gets overblown, man. There's, there's, there's always the exception everything there's always the exception right and you know antonio uh brown caught 15 touchdowns in one year dude's 5'10 like he's just good so if you're good like i don't care how tall you are or how big you are just make plays that's all i want, I want good football players and he looks like a good football player so yeah, the fact that he's short well jumped high ran fast made plays on his film man that, that's a good football player right there man so, but, size is a it's funny because size doesn't matter. Croc, you're a six-one corner, bro. Like you're you're up there towering <laughs> over these guys. Like, come on, man. Like it's like to me, it's like you're you're big for your position. You know what I mean? So it's like it's yeah. like easy for you to say, but the little guys like me that are like five nine, like you know, just struggling, right? It's it's hard for us, right? Yeah, well, you know, that's crazy you said that. You know, I was listed at like six two. I'm really like six one and some change. And six one, you know, two hundred pounds. That's pretty much kind of what I played at. And yeah, I was like in the mode of a bigger corner, but. I also understood, dang, I, I have some, I, I wish I can do this like this person that, that's a little smaller than me. I wish I had his, or I wish I had his change of direction. And I see that with a lot of bigger guys where, you know, they kind of struggle with some things like that. They kind of struggle with uh, versatility, right? Like Richard Sherman, you have to play him on the outside. We're just, well, you have to play him on the outside. Like you, you don't, when they're really want to line them up in a slot against a quicker uh, receiver, you know, that's trouble, trouble for them. So, Somebody, you know, I'd say like 5'11 range, you know, like that's kind of like my sweet spot, 5'11, 6 foot. Um, I, I really like those guys because their their versatility, typically, they're, they're just the way that they're made, their legs, um, you know, the movements aren't as long, so the change of direction typically is a little bit better in short areas. Uh, so I, I typically like lean towards those guys because I know what my weaknesses were. Now, when I see somebody that is bigger like I was and they still move like the little guys, that, that, that's kind of special. Um, but there's not a lot of guys that are like that. So yeah, I, I know I'm a bigger. I was a bigger cornerback, but yeah, I, I like the I like the smaller guys, man. And at the end of the day, I think because I played at a higher level, I tell you what, man. When I was with the Jets in 2013, the best covered guy 
And I kid you not, I, I put this on my kids. He was five foot five. His name was Trufant. Uh, uh, what was his first name? Okay, so he's Desmond, Isaiah Trufant. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I, Isaiah Trufant. So it's Desmond Trufant's brother. He was five mm-hmm. five, like 155 pounds, but he was the best cover guy. Quick his feet, in on the brakes, you know, he was just tiny. So, you know, it, it's all about, man, how big do you play? And and that's that's what I go off for more, like more than size. Now, getting back to uh, Jimmy Ward, I wanted to ask you, it's not, not specific to the draft, but I did want to ask you, if you were the 49ers, how much value would you have there? Because there's no, no guarantee that he's not brought back. It looks unlikely at this point, but you never know. So what number would you put a value on him for bringing him back? Do you, you know, you mentioned the turnovers, that he's just simply not somebody that gets a ton of turnovers, but he does have that makeup speed. But is he somebody that you would be willing to bring back at a decent number, or would you rather find a replacement? I mean, I'd be willing to bring him back, but I think somebody that people are kind of forgetting about, and we've talked about a lot about Ward and lack of turn the ball over. Tarverius Moore, he played like a few snaps, and all of a sudden in the Super Bowl, he has an interception. You know, And, you know, I think he has all the ability to play the position. I'm sure early on the game was maybe moving a little too fast for him. Those angles and stuff were a little off. I think that's somebody that people are kind of like overlooking, and I I don't know how much they like him, but I did see him on the field in certain situations where maybe they went to dime packages and had him do some things. And when guys got hurt or even in the Super Bowl when they, you know, they had him in certain packages, he was in there, and I think, that he gets at that because you know he played corner the first year and they changes well and even in college I know people are like well he's his natural position of safety he was a cover four safety it's a lot different than playing single high so single high man there, there was always going to be an adjustment to that the issue was the 49ers started off so well that you you it's hard to let guys go through their lumps from the team and started off three and oh four and oh five and oh eight and oh you know so um I think that's kind of the issue that he ran into and that he'll continue to run into if he doesn't, you know, keep getting better because right now the 49ers need somebody to go right now. And But I, I do think that he can definitely play the position. I think he's kind of getting overlooked right now, but he has all of the ability. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that whole thing plays out. Yeah, I think the reason why they liked more so much, first of all, yeah, like you're absolutely right. He played a lot in the Super Bowl because they ended up taking Quan Alexander off the field because they, they, it just became a passing game at one point. And uh, Tavares Moore was on the field in, in those dime packages and came up with that pick, as you said. But I think they like him because he can run. I, he posted a blazing 40 time last year um, when he was coming out. And, and I think that that's one of the things that they that they really need basically to be able to play center field is be able to have speed and and, and take angles. And I think that when he... First got a chance to play a little bit. Like like you said, the game was moving fast for him. But it's really interesting to me to see if the 49ers think that they have their replacement in Tarverius Moore. And I think that when he was drafted, they drafted him with that same sort of mindset that, okay, if Jimmy Ward doesn't work out, we have a similar player here. Remember, he he, he was brought in to play corner when he was first drafted. That's why they tried him out first. And they moved eventually moved into his natural position of safety. But I think that they probably had that same idea with, with replacing Jimmy Ward uh, with Tarverius Moore when they drafted him. And I think that we're probably going to see them at least try. And if they don't draft a safety early, then we know, we know it's going to be Tarverius more replacing Jimmy Ward. It's, it's all, but, but right. basically done at that point. Right. Definitely. And that would be a win for them. If, if they feel com- comfortable with him being able to fill that, that spot, one, you don't have to use a draft pick where you're already limited. And two, you don't have to use money 
on award when you're already already limited with money. So I think mm-hmm. ideally that's who you would want to be able to take over that spot and maybe just somebody later in the later round to kind of, you know, that you say, hey, you know, this guy might have some ability. Let's do a six-round pick on this guy. And, you know, he can be like a backup to more. But I think ideally you, you want more to take control of that. And the good thing about, well, not free it. Yeah, they're probably not going to get anybody in free agency. The good thing about the draft, well, you have some. You have a start to the uh, to the offseason OTAs and everything, and they're, they're going to be putting the ball in the air, and you'll get a chance to see, hey, how does he look? Does he look like he's improved? Is he flying around? Is he being able to make plays? And if he is, now you don't have to draft a safety. I think that uh, the offseason portion of this is really important, too, that, that Croc mentioned, that these guys are finally getting an offseason. The guys who, who were drafted last year, they didn't get an offseason. They were basically prepping for the draft. Then they got thrown into the, the the combine stuff, and then they got drafted, and then it was OTAs. Basically, you don't have a break from the end of the, the college football season, especially the playoff teams, uh, to to the NFL season. So it'll be really interesting to see what they get a full year of or a full offseason of rest and rehab and building their bodies back up for the, the grind of the NFL season. And I think that that's why you see a lot of guys take take a big step in between years is because they're able to get that treatment and able to be able to be on an NFL diet and all those things. And I think those things are kind of underrated and overlooked when it comes to rookies coming in the NFL. So I'm more as one of those guys. I'm, I'm, I'm with Crockett. I hope that he takes a big step because if they were able to fill that Jimmy Ward spot with Tavarius Moore in the rookie contract, that's huge. That's absolutely huge. 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 And this is going to be his third year. But remember, you know, like you mentioned, he played cornerback that first year. And even most of the offseason last year, um, he was cornerback until mm-hmm. they, they had like a bunch of injuries, like towards the very end of OTAs. And then they moved into safety, made some plays, and then towards uh, even training camp, I want to say they still had Colbert starting mm-hmm. until Colbert was, you know, messing mm-hmm. up. And then they finally got more in where he was kind of the guy in the first group. So he hasn't really had a chance to really settle in at that position. And then obviously, you know, Ward came back and he got his spot back. But I think that's somebody that people are kind of sleeping on. And I think that's a big domino right there where if he, if, if he, Shows up to OTAs this offseason, and he's taking control of that position. Where not don't need a safety. Now transitioning away from the defensive side of the ball, if I can, you know you're lined up opposite of wide receivers. You know that position well. You'll like to scout that position. You've made some posts on Twitter already scouting some of the guys there. So I wanted to ask you, of the guys that are at least have a a, a somewhat decent shot of being there at 31, what wide receivers do you like? For the 49ers? Oh, man. You know, obviously, you know, there's a, there's a bunch that I like, but there are two in particular who I'm like, you know what? I, I think they'd really be a good fit, kind of give the 49ers a little something that they don't have. One is Mims, who I really got a late jump on. And it's crazy because I did my top 10, but I watched so many dudes and I didn't watch Mims. So people, when I put my top 10 out, people are like, Oh, you're sleeping on Denzel Mims. Hug me on Denzel Mims. And in my head, I'm like, damn, I haven't watched Denzel Mims. I've watched all these other, you know, 20, 25 guys. I didn't get around to him. Um, I think he fits. I think he fits. Now, this is the thing. I know that Shanahan covers the three cone. And Mims ran a 6.66, I believe. And I know people are like, man, like, but he doesn't move like that. He, He is stiff. He really, I think he just mastered the steps because one thing people don't know about all these tests, it's all about steps. So with, even with the three cone, it's a certain amount of steps up, certain amount of steps back, and then you get around the cone. Like 
Everything is about steps. So if you can master those, you can get a really good time, even though you're not as fluent as your time might say. Or you can do worse if you don't master it, like uh, Jerry Judy, who did like a 4.5 in the um, in the damn uh, uh, L drill or whatever. I'm like, man, how how did he do that? Like, how did he or a short shuttle? Whatever he did, it was it was terrible. It was short shuttle. I'm like, that's terrible. But it's all about the steps and really getting the technique of it down. So getting back to Mims, he has all the ability. He is a little stiff. And the, the, uh, he, he really reminds me a ton of DK Metcalf. Now, his, his over-the-top speed isn't as elite, but it's really good. And he can win that way. And that's how I look. Like, how, how does Mims win? Well, he, he wins at the catch point. I think he's better than Metcalf at being able to uh, twist his body and adjust his body to make catches, um, especially with uh, DB on him or just, like, on the sideline. I mean, he makes these, like, miraculous catches. You're almost like, uh, damn, they're like Brandon Lloyd with it, right? You guys are familiar with Brandon Lloyd. I lose that, but he twists his body. But this is a larger version of it, uh, uh, Brandon Lloyd, but he's able to do those kind of things when the ball is in the air. So he wins that way when Niners don't really have that guy, right? He wins uh, – straight down the sideline, you can really throw a go route to him where Niners don't really have that guy. Uh, so, you know, obviously with the, you know, crossing routes and things like that, or Kyle Shanahan being able to scheme guys up, uh, you're not worried about, you know, his stiffness there either. So I think, man, if he's there at 31, that's somebody I'd take a, a hard look at because I think he, he adds an element of being able, you know, obviously he is big, 6'3", but he plays as big as well, and he has good, you know, speed to stretch the field uh, stretch the defensive back to downfield. And, and he also uses that deep speed to be able to sit down on, like, curl routes and, and get some uh, cushion there and catch the ball. So I, I really like his game. I think he'll complement Debo Samuel extremely well. Uh, so that's one guy. Uh, another guy, um, Brandon Ayuk from uh, Arizona State. I think he's a little bit more like Debo. Um, I was actually expecting him to run a little bit faster because on film he looks faster. So I, I'm going to go for what he looked like on film where he's able to beat guys vertically and his run after catcher is tremendous, uh, tremendous return guy as well. Um, and you can see a lot of that. He does have to get a little bit better at some things, maybe getting it out of his brakes a little bit, but he has the ability. So if he, he starts putting it all together, I think you have a tremendous player there. I think he's a little hotter than, than Debo. And Debo ran well. and he, he, you know, you saw his miles per hour going up every week. Uh, but I think I think he's even a little bit faster. Uh, so I think he, he kind of brings, uh, that element. And I know a lot of people they want to talk about uh, Justin Jefferson. I was surprised that Jefferson ran as well as he ran. I, I still don't think that he plays that fast. So I know a lot of people, they really like him. I think he's a tremendous uh, block guy. And if that's what the 49ers are looking for, he definitely feels that, you know, especially if you don't know what you have with Trent Taylor. But, uh, you know, I, I like him. He's consistent. He catches the ball. He does a lot of things extremely well. I just like a little bit more of what Mims and I have to bring to the table and that kind of a different element that the 49ers don't have. Now, looking at the 49ers roster with wide receivers, how important do you think it is for them to bring a guy in, whether it's bringing Sanders back or finding a guy in the draft or maybe finding uh, somebody in free agency outside of Sanders? You know, because have, they have Debo, you know, set there. I know you're pretty big on Bourne, but certainly seems like they need a number two guy, a guy that brings something to the table that isn't really there, as you kind of mentioned. They don't really have a, a true kind of speed guy that can run the 
deeper to intermediate routes that are featured in Shanahan's offense. Do you see that as a huge need, something that uh, if the right guy is there at 31, you wouldn't hesitate to use that draft capital on? Yeah, well, well, first, I, I have to bring back Emmanuel Sanders. And the reason why is because he brings consistency and stability to the position, um, especially at a position where, like I said, there are so many question marks with guys with injuries and stuff like that. As far as Kendrick Bourne goes, Kendrick Bourne is a, is a solid wide receiver three. So ideally you're looking at Emmanuel Sanders as a bridge guy, and, and maybe if you draft a player, you know, you have the consistency from Emmanuel Sanders until that player is really ready to kind of get going. Um, so that's kind of how I look at Emmanuel Sanders. Um, and then Bourne, yeah, Bourne at best, he's really more of a wide receiver three. I think he's solid as your fourth target, you know, when you have a kid, when you add Kittle to the mix. So, yeah, I, it, it's just – it sucks because we, 49ers shouldn't have to be in this position if Pettis just continued, uh, you know, what he was doing at the end of 2018 season. And he really regressed to the point where, like, he's not even suiting up for games, which is really crazy for somebody that showed the potential that he has. Okay. Now, if, if Pettis shows up to OTAs, again, it's kind of like various more. If Pettis shows up to OTAs and he's killing it, and you have Pettis killing it, and you have Debo, and and obviously you have uh, Emmanuel Sanders, fine, you don't need a receiver. But if Pettis isn't taking that next step, can we really count on Trent Taylor? I don't think so. Jalen Hurts, I'm hearing things, and I'm not, I'm not one to act like I have crazy uh, um, inside sources, but I do have somebody that talks to me a little bit about what's going on a little bit, and it's not sounding good with Jalen Hurts. And I think they're trying to cover up some things, um, just me piecing things together. But so you don't know about Jalen Hurd, and obviously uh, it sounds like Goodwin, I think they're trying to get rid of him, and Richie James, who's kind of been more of just a return guy. So there's just so many question marks. You really need Dante Pettis to be good. I and mean, if he's killing it, you're fine. But if he's not, you definitely have to draft somebody at the 31 range. So let's say they stay put. I'll, I'll put two scenarios out, and we'll, we'll deal with them separately. So the first scenario is they stay at 31, and they don't make the trade down, and they, they draft on the first day. Uh, let's say that they that the that the pick is wide receiver, right? Let's eliminate the variables. Who do you think falls to them at thirty one at that point? Mims. Mims. And why is, I mean, why is that? Because of how many receivers there are, um, because it's kind of a deeper class. You have Judy, Ruggs, and and Lamb. They're going to fly off the board. Um, but they're also it's really a deep offensive line draft, like tackles, and also there's a lot of quarterbacks that are going to go. So it's going to push some guys down. So you're going to have those three receivers that get in the mix there. Um, you're going to have some cornerbacks that get in the mix with uh, with Akuda and uh, Henderson because he ran that 4-3-9, and he is talented. So then that's going to push some receivers down. And then you also have, like, these freakish linebackers. That's going to push some receivers down. Um, so, yeah, I, I – so – I think a guy, unless Mims would be the fourth guy taken and somebody takes him at the end, you know, like right before the 49ers pick, I think he should be there right around that range of 31. And, again, I take him because he, he brings an element of playing big and playing fast that the 49ers don't have. They don't have that kind of guy. So that, that, that's who I would get right now. That's where I'm at right now. i got to watch a little more, but that's where I'm at. 
Okay, so let's say that they trade down. Uh, like you said, a lot of these guys will slip, and I think that the best part of, if there is a best part of being at the end of the first round, it's that a lot of guys, if you want to trade down back into the top part of the second round, there are teams that are willing to come up. And if you do indeed trade down in the top of the second round, there are guys that will slip that should have first round grades on them. So let's say the Niners trade down into the, the top 10 of the second round and, and Mims is off the board at that point, right? Somebody's picked them. So what do they do there with, with wide receiver? Do they go corner? What do they do there? Yeah, I, I, I'd probably go with um, IU uh, from oh. Arizona State. And, and if not him, then like A.J. Terrell. I really like him at quarterback. The only thing about quarterback position, it's so weird because you don't need a corner if, as long as Richard Sherman's playing corner. And then you have Mosley. And then obviously you have uh, Witherspoon, who can be like your third outside cornerback. Like, that's pretty cool. Like, you, 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 you're solid there for the most part. You just don't have anything really – future you know mm-hmm. um but the and and then if you draft a cornerback second round what do, what do i do with him is, is he just going to sit or is he going to play over mosley or is he going to play over sherman i can't really see that happening mm-hmm. so that's the tough thing about drafting the cornerback but yeah if i go receiver it'd be Ayugan, and i'd be pretty confident that this guy will get it to where he's playing over you know the other reserve receivers and eventually uh, taking reps from Emmanuel Sanders from this year at the, you know, from the middle of the season on and obviously going into the following year. Great, great stuff, Rock. There you have it. So uh, before we let you go, man, I know you're doing a camp in out in Stockton, right? You want to, do you want to pimp that a little bit? Do you want to give people a, a, a lowdown on what's going on there? Yeah. So um, yeah, I do a few different things here in, in, in Stockton. I have a seven on seven travel team. So, we do a lot of fun things there. We're traveling to LA in a couple of weeks. Uh, and then I also have like this little clinic that I'm putting on. I'm planning with my buddy, Derek Graves, and he, he's a wide receiver coach here at the, uh, junior, the local junior college um, where we're going to have uh, pretty much, we're going to get guys on the board. We're going to teach them what me on the defensive side, I'll be teaching kids um, all the different techniques, uh, their, you know, their leverage, uh, their, their alignment, uh, where their eyes should be, all the things that I feel like they probably aren't getting from their local high school team. I'll be trying to teach all those guys uh, those, those those type of things. So it's going to be really fun, probably a long day for me. But any get a chance to kind of really work with the the, the kids, man, I, I have a ton of fun with that. So yeah, that, that's kind of what's going on. That's what it works right now. That's awesome, man. Awesome stuff. So if y'all don't follow him already, follow him, Eric Crocker, on Twitter. Uh, give him, he's got that blue check mark. He knows what he's talking about. Great follow, a lot of information. Yo, Croc, thanks so much for joining us tonight, man. We should definitely do this again sometime soon, right? Oh, uh, yeah, anytime after the draft, man. We'll, 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 you guys have me on to talk about it. Absolutely, man. Sounds good. I right, appreciate it. I was a little talking shop with Croc. He is, he is such an intelligent guy, and he's such a fun guy to talk to. Like, literally just talking for hours. Like, we'll, we'll go back and forth on Twitter with ideas and things like that. It's really, really fun. Um, but now, moving ahead to... Uh, free agency in the franchise tag deadline, which is again as of the recording of this show, it's next week on Monday. Um, Levin, you have some thoughts on that, right? On on uh, Eric Armstead and and what that could mean. Yeah, it, it's kind of I wouldn't say necessarily breaking news uh, of the day, but it was tweeted out that uh, the Niners and Armstead are deep in the talks, and it's looking like it's progressing towards a deal. As of this recording, the deal has not happened. Maybe it ends up falling apart. You don't know. But it certainly seems like from a credible source, I think that was uh, 
Justina Anderson on uh, Twitter saying that she tends to be correct. So it's something that we we, we should definitely touch on. Uh, I did write an article a couple weeks ago that I said I it certainly seems very unlikely that Armstead is brought back, and that and the big part of that for me was how much money they were going to be allocating to four guys on the defensive line. And Rob and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago on our last episode, but to bring that back up, to me, it's kind of shocking that they would be doing this. And while it will certainly help them this, this next season, and maybe that's what they're doing, they're making more of an all-in push with the contract extension. Uh, it, it certainly seems like that because they would be spending, assuming it comes in at around what people are predicting, which is that 12 to $15 million per year range, it means the Niners are going to be paying almost $15 million to four guys on the defensive line. I think this next season, if, say, Armstead has a cap hit of uh, 12 or $13 million, it would be in the mid-40s. It would be about 44 or $45 million. But every single year you have D Ford adds a couple of million on his cap hit. You're going to have the extensions of Armstead and the Buckner, which is assumed to be also happening. Those will likely have higher cap hits if they're structured like the Niners like to do their restructures or re, uh, renegotiations, whatever you want to call them, extensions. So those are going to go up a million or two each year. And then you have Boza on a rookie contract but he's an expensive rookie contract because he was taken number two overall and his cap hit climbs right at about 1.5 million each year. So it, it, it's surprising to me, Zane, and I know I'm kind of long-winded here, but it, it, I, I don't know how, what to make of it other than the only thing I can think of is the Niners are saying, we're going to sign him. We want to keep him around. We're going to make this push for next season. And then D Ford is out. That's what it seems to imply to me, is that D Ford would be moved on from after two years. What are your thoughts, though? I think that well, the thing is that everything you're saying is pretty much spot on, right? Because what this does is it sets the basically the floor for the Buckner extension because we know that he's going to be paid more than Armstead is because Armstead basically has had the one good season, and Buckner has had has made a career out of it. So, um, I think that what that's that's the first thing it's going to do. Then again, you've got guys like Kittle who need to be extended. You've got Sherman's contract coming up. You've got uh, Witherspoon coming up. I don't know if you bring him back. You've got all these guys. Oh, Kwan Williams who's been really good out of the slot. So, what I think that they that they want to do is they want to keep that defensive line intact because even if you end up with corners that aren't necessarily household names, a good defensive line can mask that. A good pass rush can mask that. And I think that that's what their their mo sort of was going into the season two was that they would put whoever out opposite Sherman and it wouldn't matter. And it almost worked, right? Like it, it almost did work and, and they got to the Super Bowl with it. But I think that really what, what they want to do is they want to keep this defensive line together because that's the, kind of the core of the defense. That's what makes the defense go. And the fact that a guy like Eric Armstead, who's, who's so rare and the fact that he can rush the passer and defend the run really well, that's really rare that, to, to find. And, and on top of that, I think that maybe they may not be as confident in Ronald Blair to take over that spot or to be able to be a full-time starter because he just tore that ACL and they don't know what he's going to have. Because essentially that's what would happen is that if Armstead leaves, then Blair slides in and they're not sure what they're going to get out of him at this point. And then you have Solomon Thomas too, right? That's another kind of albatross that's hanging over this team is that contract. It's a top five contract and it's a guy who's never produced anything 
and he's literally just taking up a spot on the roster at this point and taking up cap room. But the point is, is that they, they will probably not move on from him yet because they need bodies. And I think that'll take one more year to, to kind of be able to replace Solomon Thomas. If he doesn't have a breakout year, like Armstead does. Cause remember we were talking about Armstead Solomon Thomas, like we were talking about Armstead before the season and yeah. he, he never really stayed healthy. And, and I'm always got weary of guys who are in a contract year and they have a big year. So Jimmy Ward is another one of those guys in a contract year and he had a pretty good year. But I think that when it comes down to any of your, your trenches, your offensive defensive line, you got to try to keep those guys together for as long as possible. And I think that's why, that's why they want to focus on this. And what it brings up as a byproduct of this is I, again, I, I mentioned in the show and I tweeted it out as well is that they've got a decision now they can keep either Emmanuel Sanders or Jimmy Ward, but not both. And we're going to see what position they value more. And we're going to see which guy they value more because I think that to me, and and I don't want to spoil our our free agency preview and and, and our draft preview down the line, but to me, really, you don't have anybody proven besides Debo. And even Debo had the, is just a second year player coming into this year. Uh, Born is, as, as Croc said, a good number four, you need a three, you need a one, and maybe Debo slides into that one, but really you need help there. And, and, Jalen Hurd, you're not going to get much out of him. I don't think, I think he has some issues with his, with his back. They're going to linger. Mm-hmm. So I think that you can still get a quality player at, at, you know, this, the top of the second round. Like they've got Tarverius Moore. If Jimmy Ward walks, look, they can replace him with Tarverius Moore. There will be a drop off. But again, the hope is, is that your defensive line performs well again. D4 is around for at least another year and you can kind of get the same sort of production. I think that, that they got this year. So. Uh, the, the long answer, I think, it, to, to your question is is yes. I think that D Ford may be on the bubble at the very least for a restructure, if not being let completely go uh, after this year, depending on how he plays. Because that knee, that knee and his injury history is is starting to kind of crop up again, and I, I don't, I'm not sure if they can band aid a whole season, a half season like they did this year. Right, and there's an unknown variable here to this, unknown to you, me, just about everybody, but. 32 owners and maybe a few other people in the players union. And that is the salary cap could be jumping significantly in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they're talking about having a jump, not this season, but potentially next season with the first CBA proposal, which has not been ratified yet. It might get turned down, but you would think the owners know what concessions they're willing to make. They've already made, or already put it out there that they're willing to give more more percentage of profits to the players, and that percentage directly correlates to what the salary cap number is. So if they've been willing to do that on the very first proposal, it seems logical, and I'm sure the owners know much better than we do, and they might have let their GMs know this. They know whether or not it's likely that even if the CBA is turned down, they're still going to have that money on the table. And if that is the case, then teams would be wise to pay their very good to rate players now, because in a year or two, those are going to look like extreme team friendly deals. Because, you know, if the cap goes up to what they're saying, 230, 240 million with the renegotiation, it's projected to be 200 this next season. So if you jump 30, 40 million, a guy like Armstead, instead of looking at 12 to 15 range, he'd be more looking at 15 to 20 and probably closer to the 20 part of that. So he would be at an extreme discount if he signed now. And if they're operating under that assumption, 
it makes a lot of sense and would look wise in retrospect. That's the unknown variable here that could very well be playing a massive role in why they're willing to, to bring Armstead back. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And um, they've got a lot of hard decisions to make coming up. And I think these are all good decisions. because this, this is an indication that you are a good team and you want to keep the team together. We were kind of waiting for this for a long time with, with a team with possibly sustained success. And I, I don't think that they're a flash in the pan. I think that they are a championship caliber team. And, and I think that if, if uh, a couple of things go their way and if Kyle Shanahan knows what's best <laughs> this time around, they, they will seal the deal. And, and, these are the moves that you have to make. These are tough decisions that you kind of have to make. And, and it's done with a little bit of faith and a little bit of hope that other guys can step up for the guys that depart. So I, re- I really, I'm, ex- I'm excited for this off season. I'm kind of wearing off on the Super Bowl hangover stuff and kind of looking forward to the next season. I think that um, I- I'm still, I'm still pissed at the Niners. I-, I love them, but I'm still pissed at them. Um, I think almost like a parent loves their child and when they're bad, but like they're still pissed at them when they're bad. <laughs> That's kind of how it is with them. Um, but I think that, they can fill a bunch of holes and you know, I'm going to, I'm in a bold mood tonight. I'm in a really bold kind of feeling tonight uh, that that's coming over me. And I've been telling this privately to people that, that I come across some of them, some of those who have worked for the 49ers that I come in contact with that, that I know and, and, uh, and I'm friends with, but I'll say this to you and our listeners as well. Uh, we're post combine. It's, it's the first week of March, uh, as of, as of now, and people may hear this in the future, but first week of March and I'm going to drop a prediction and I'm going to say that, that the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to say it. They're going to win Super Bowl 55. They're going to get it. They're going to get there. There are eight teams that have gone back the year after losing the Super Bowl. One of them has won. I believe it's it's the Patriots, the only team that that have won the 49ers. Yep. A couple of years ago, the 49ers will be the second team. And I'm confident in saying that because they're still the most complete team in the league. Jimmy Garoppolo is just scratching the surface. He's going to have an MVP type year and the 49ers will win the Super Bowl next year. And you can put that down, lock it up, whatever. I don't care if I'm wrong, but I really, I really believe that. And I've had some time to think about it. So it's not just an emotional thing. I, I really believe that. Well, kudos to you. Uh, certainly bold. I'm not going out on that limb. I think it's certainly possible. <laughs> I think there's logic behind it, but at the same time, I don't make predictions at this point of the season in terms of what a team's going to do the following year because so much can change based on not necessarily the draft because the draft is even an unknown variable. It's pretty rare you get a guy that you know is going to be great. You know, Boza falls into that, but that's pretty rare. And the mm-hmm. Niners picking at 31 is certainly not going to be there. Um, but free agency, who comes back, who's able to be brought back. There's too many variables. I don't, I'm not making a prediction at this point, but kudos to you. Bet, bet you didn't think you hear that from me <laughs> tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I understand. And, and look, I'm usually like that too, because people, I'm, I'm one of the first to say, ah, uh, you know, stop with the predictions. You don't even know what the team's going to look like. You don't know what the roster is going to look like. There are injuries and that stuff, but if they stay healthy, and if everything stays kind of par for the course, they're going to get there and they're going to win it. And I can bet you that Kansas City Chiefs fans, when they saw Mahomes pop his knee back in on the ground, they were not even, they thought their season was over. They thought it was done. Yeah. And look, look what happened at the end. So you never know. You never know what can happen when you're a good team and you have enough kicks at the can. You never know what can happen. They were close last year and they sealed the deal this year. So why not the 49ers? I think the boldest part of that might be 
you saying Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have an MVP caliber season. According to the media, he's not even going to be on the team. It's going to be <laughs> Tom ridiculous. Brady. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I wish stats you know, was here so we could. The, yeah. You, you talked about how the Niners are just now the flash in, in the pan. They're building long-term success. Mm-hmm. That's why Tom Brady doesn't make sense. You're going to yeah. tell me that they're going to say, hey, we're going to take this guy who at this point may or may not be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I would argue not, but you know, a lot of people would argue yes. But you're going to take a guy and you're going to get one, maybe two years out of him, and you're mm-hmm. going to shoot yourself in the foot for any kind of extended run? Makes mm-hmm. no sense. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And that's mostly like guys like Florio and ESPN and Dion and these guys are spreading speculation. There's no truth to it. Tom Brady's not going. First of all, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he'll just go back to New England. There's no point of going anywhere. He's at the point in his career where it's like, why would you go to a rebuilding team? You're going to go to a contender. So so anyways, before before we wrap up for, for tonight, I, I do want to say that um, when it comes down to it, we were talking with Croc off air and uh, a little bit about the Super Bowl and the post Super Bowl hangover, not to bring it up again, but he mentioned that one of the big reasons why Kansas City won is because their superstars made plays. And uh, guys like Chris Jones, Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, Kelsey all had a big role in that comeback. And I think that the Niners players, their, their stars did not make enough plays, obviously, right? And, and, and we know that. But when you have a chance to add guys who are, are star caliber players, like through the draft or through free agency or developing your own players, that's kind of what helps put that ball in your corner a little bit more in terms of changing the odds towards making you a, a championship team or not. And I think they really have a chance to add like a, like a really good piece at wide receiver at the end of the first round. There's going to be a lot of guys that slide. Croc talked about it. I, I agree. I think that whether they trade down or stay, they can really add a guy. Like we know Kyle Shannon loves to throw the ball, right? So it's like, okay, well, now get Jimmy a guy that can actually out-physical somebody, out-athlete somebody. That's how Kansas City won. They out-athleted the 49ers. That's literally what happened. So I think that the Niners have a chance to do this, some of that on their, uh, on their own this year and being able to add these guys to the draft. So I, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, it would be an interesting offseason. One, actually, before you joined the call, Crack and I were talking about it off the air, that it's a weird feeling this offseason because the Niners were so, as Niner fans, we're so used to the Niners having a high draft pick and being so much in the talk about you know, what great player are they going to take so highly? And then even in the years that they were winning, in the Harbaugh years, we had a GM in Bulky who hoarded draft picks. The Niners were always having a bunch of draft picks in those years. So this is really uncharted territory to be a team drafting at the end of the first round and having no, no mid-round picks. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting offseason that will play out in a, in a way that we haven't seen before as Niner fans. And I can't wait to watch it play out with you and stats. We'll have lots of commentary, analysis, opinions, and maybe a, f- a few bold predictions, right? Maybe I can crack you a little bit and, and uh, see if I, can, if I can finesse you into giving a prediction. Like you finesse me into making a bet with stats that maybe <laughs> use the Russell Wilson avatar for a week. So maybe, maybe I'll get back at you this offseason. <laughs> but there you have Good it, luck. folks. So, yeah, four. Levin Black and Rob Stats Guerrero, who can join us tonight. I am Dan Nackby, and you have been listening to another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast.